people. My friends, and welcome to No Normal People. I'm your host, Stephen Henning. And I am also that. Not Stephen, your host. I'm your host. And my name is Dixie Lee. <laughs> yes. And this is a podcast where we prove that the more you get to know the normal people in your life, you discover that there really are no normal people in your life. You know, you get this really weird glazed look right before you start recording. Do I? It's like the lights go out for Gotta, a second, yeah. like you turn out. The yeah. like the internal right. lights and then you start recording. You know what's happening is I'm is I'm <laughs> I'm inviting a new soul to inhabit this Ew. this husk of a, a body. Like Sasha Fierce. A little bit, yeah. You're Beyonce. I gotta put my radio personality on. I invite Beyonce into my spirit. Monday, we Monday, Monday. Beyonce, be a part of me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's basically what I do. I'm uh. I'm putting on my. Uh, Big J show. Please never do that again, ever that again. I almost divorced you. <laughs> what? You don't think I'm a uh, a shock jock personality no, type? No, you're not. Crazy Ira and the dude. And the dude. <laughs> should we beep that? No. I wonder if we should beep that. It's not an inappropriate uh, it's thing. It's, a, it's a device that you use to clean word. your. Okay, definitely bleeping that. <laughs> Anyway, calm down. Hey, so we have some big news. We do for the podcast. We do. Our podcast is pregnant. It has five babies. I have no idea <laughs> where you're going with this. So, like a baby shower, you can support us financially and physically. Oh, <laughs> okay. I see you how see this is there? going. Yeah, yeah. No, this is the big announcement that we are. Officially joining the Patreon community. Yeah. You're going to be able to find No Normal People at patreon.com slash nopeoplepod on November 1st. November 1st. And we thought we would just introduce you to the things that we're offering some benefits to yeah. come join our community. You first. Our first tier, I affectionately call shy because these are the people who don't necessarily, they're kind of like me, like they get in, they like supporting the podcast that they like to listen to. But they don't really need like a private Facebook group or anything like that. They're just here to contribute and feel like they're doing something. And I, that is perfectly fine. And it's amazing to me. So the benefits there are, of course, our tremendous and undying gratitude and <laughs> a shout out on the podcast. Yeah. And our next tier we have called Normal. But we all know that there's no such thing. It's called normal with quotes. Yeah. <laughs> so the the second tier includes things like our welcome gift. You have a private bonus episode feed. We have private access to the Patreon community and Discord server. Exclusive voting on feedback posts and polls. And 
submit new questions to rapid fire and icebreaker segments. Absolutely. This is something I'm excited about because I want to invite other people in on the team. There's some language on our Patreon page that essentially is you're not just supporting us, you're actually joining us and you're helping us create something even better. Like give us new questions, give us feedback, and we trust the people who are willing to pitch in a few dollars a month. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like you're voting with your dollars already. Yeah. Give Steven feedback. Then get behind (laughs) that. And yeah, no, like we'll have polls every once in a while on maybe different segments we've tried and haven't really worked. It's just an open community for those people who want to join us to give us feedback and tell us how to be better. The next tier I affectionately call above average. See what we're doing? We're kind of playing with all it's these like, words. It's synonyms like our show is about normal yeah, people. Yeah, that's pretty good. So, <laughs> but we're calling it above average. And here you get the benefits of the previous two tiers. You also get to join live the monthly hangouts slash AMAs that become the bonus episodes. Yeah. So you can come hang out with us every month and we'll hang out kind of like what we did for the quarantine questions mm-hmm. back in March and April. We're going to do that once a month. That was so long ago. And anybody at this tier gets to jump in and just chat with us and hang yeah. out. The other thing we're going to offer at this tier is a 10% discount code for our merch store because <gasps> in 2021, we have merch. Merch ideas. Yeah. So our next tier is called Uncommon. Un- parentheses. Common. Right. Yep. <laughs> Very funny, Steven. Thank anyway, you. in this tier, you get everything from the previous tiers including 20% discount code for our merch store and early access to future projects, books, apps, merch, all that stuff. Absolutely. And then finally, our extraordinary tier. <laughs> we It's just extra. You're just extra. Absolutely. We're just going above and beyond on this one. And at this extraordinary tier, you get a monthly one-on-one call with Dixie and I. Yeah, and you also get to name our firstborn child. Apparently. Uh, no, I reserve the rights to that. <laughs> I'm going to keep the copyright on that. Keep the copyright on our um, children. <laughs> at this tier, you also get to work with me on launching your very own podcast. Because, Dixie, I don't know if you know, but I have launched, I've helped launch four podcasts that are on the internet now. Are you talking about my podcast, too? That's why I said help. <laughs> yeah. So, No Normal People, Authors Intent, Whiskey Bench and Ravel. Yep. I feel like I have some some wisdom now for launching shows and kind of putting some thought into what the show is going to be. You got to do the concept work before you launch the show, I think. So I'm trying to work with me. I'm trying to suss out the energy of our Patreon page, like the spiritual energy. And all all that comes to mind is Mona Lisa Saberstein saying, money, please. I think that's easy for any creator who's doing a Patreon for the first time to feel that way. I don't feel like we're doing that. I really do feel like we're creating a podcast community for normal people. Yeah, that's fair. To come join us, help create this show that is by and for normal people. Like we're not famous celebrities. We weren't when we started the show. I doubt we ever will be. (laughs) We're just here to talk to cool people, right? And those same cool people can join us in the project and, you know, be a part of it. And these yeah. are the things we'd love to give back in exchange for your, a vote from your dollar. Because it's, it's, worth, it's worth paying for what you value. I truly sure. believe that. In fact, I have purchased the music 
from this week's guest every time he drops a song on Bandcamp. I could get it for free. He and I are best friends, and we've been best friends since like seventh grade. This week, we have my fantastically good friend, Michael Clausen. Michael. Andrew. Clausen. With the middle name. Yeah, I'm dropping the middle name. I know it. Look at you. Yeah, I'm a winner. Okay. (laughs) Oh, we talk about Mike and I growing up and making music together Mm -hmm. and graduating high school together. We talk about his his passion for making heavy music, like making yeah. the music he wants to hear in the world. Uh, he's a graphic designer. He just got his degree from MSU in Bozeman. Yeah. And he is a disc golf enthusiast like he I've also, never met. He did the graphic stuff for your other podcast, Whiskey Bench. For the Whiskey Bench. Yes, absolutely. Thank mm-hmm. you for mentioning this. He does fantastic work. And uh, his Instagram is Michael underscore Clausen underscore creates. Yeah. And go hit him up. If you need some freelance graphic work, and he plays guitar like All a the beast, time. it's amazing. Enough of us talking about it. Let's just get to the interview, Here's shall we? Here's Michael. Okay, we are going to get started with rapid fire questions. Michael, are you ready? I am. Instagram or Twitter? Uh, Instagram. Oceans or lakes? Lakes. Rain or sun? Yes. Sun. <laughs> yeah. Sun. Okay. <laughs> Tea or coffee? Coffee. Early morning or late night? Late night, 100%. iOS or Android? iOS. Marvel or DC? Uh, Marvel. Big party or small gathering? Small gathering. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Laundry or dishes? Dishes. Sweet or savory? Sweet. Do you call it soda or pop? Soda, I think. Hogwarts or the Shire? Shire. Passenger or driver? Driver. Pizza or tacos? Tacos. Vanilla or chocolate? Chocolate. Beaches or mountains? Mountains. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Introvert or extrovert? Uh, introvert. Phone calls or texts? Phone calls. Right on. There, you did it. That was the rapid fire. Now you get to relax. I, oh, I survived. So stressful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next, we're just going to do some more open-ended icebreakers. Some fun stuff to get to know you. So we'll start with, what is your favorite candy i would have to go with a uh, uh, reese's nut rageous they're these chocolate bars and they got tons of peanuts and caramel and peanut butter in them and they're quite amazing what's your favorite snack that's a good question uh you know i'm gonna have to just go with the reese's nut rageous again okay yes <laughs> <laughs> same answer i'm into it it does the job yeah there you go what is your favorite city i haven't traveled extensively i mean I did go to Moscow once, but I I did enjoy Denver when we went there all those years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd definitely like to revisit it and maybe experience a bit more since we didn't have too much time. Sure, yeah. There. But, uh, you know, I, I liked what I saw from Denver for sure. What is your favorite smell? It, as cliche as it is, man, the smell of rain. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you just can't compete with that. This is this is very good. <laughs> yes. What is your favorite TV or streaming show? Oh, man, that's actually really tough. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's similar to a lot of people where they kind of go through phases of what they're really watching. Mm, mm-hmm. I would say all time, I would probably just have to go with The Office just for replay value. Absolutely, but yeah. more recently, me and my wife just finished up uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender, and oh. that show slapped. Oh, and it absolutely did. Quite amazing. I mean, it's technically a kid's show, but it's way better than most other shows Seriously. out there, regardless of age group. Absolutely. Yep. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? 
I like moose tracks. I'm a sucker for peanut butter and chocolate, basically. Back to the Reese's, right? Yep. Okay. What are foods you will never eat? Anything that is still alive. I'm just going to broaden it to that. Whoa. Okay. I think, you know, like in some places, like the squid is still alive or whatever, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not here for that. It's, I just don't like the idea of something being alive while I eat it. Yeah. On the other side of that, then, what is your absolute favorite meal? Oh, man. I love myself a good biscuits and gravy. Oh, yes. Yeah. Love myself a good biscuits and gravy. There it is. Or just a good burrito, too, man. Do you have a secret talent? I'm sure I do, but when you're put on the spot like this, it's hard yeah. to think of one. Yeah, I know. Okay, I mean, I, I have been told I have, like, a very uh, almost creepy memory of some of the random things I remember from, like, my childhood or just about people or whatever, you know? Oh, okay. So I, I can recall things pretty well that most people tend not to, you know? So sometimes I have to dial it back so people don't think I'm weird for remembering like weird little things or nuances or something like that. What was your first job? (laughs) First job. Are we talking uh, actual employment by a company or or like uh, first thing I did to make money? Let's say first thing you did to make money. So in middle school, if I wanted to buy something, My parents were good in that, you know, they didn't just hand me everything. Right. So if I, you know, wanted to buy a new guitar pedal or something like that, I had to save up for it. So I would, uh, during the fall, I would just go door to door and rake leaves for people. Uh, Mm, Enterprising. Yes. Just knock on their door, being like, hey, you want want me to rake your leaves? And I would do a dollar a bag, which in hindsight, that is so, so, that is so cheap. You gave everyone a deal, man. Yeah, I did. Um, (laughs) And then in the winter, I would do the same thing, but just uh, shovel driveways and shovel walks. Okay. So, man. Yeah. So that's what I did in middle school before I could, you know, before I was old enough to actually get a job job. Sure. I hope you've learned to stop undervaluing your time like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, even with freelance uh, graphic design, it's something that I still remember what my professors taught me. You know, it's like, don't undersell yourself. That's good. Exposure doesn't pay the bills. (laughs) That's good. I like that. What was your first pet? Uh, Ruby. She was a chocolate lab. What a treasure Ruby was. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, dude, that... She was a great old dog. Absolutely. Very scared of the 4th of July, I remember. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we we got her from uh, a family in Laurel, and they had originally got her from someone that wanted to train her to be a hunting dog, but took her out into the field and found out she was gun shy. So, like, oh. he really didn't oh. have a use for her. Yeah. So. Uh, but we got her like when she was a year old and she was all trained and everything. So we really didn't have to do much. There she was go. a good dog. Yeah. Do you have a historical hero? That's something I've really never thought about, which is funny because like history does fascinate me. Mm-hmm. I think as you get older, you start to learn more about who the people were that you learned about in school, mm. but you start learning all those like not so savory facts about yeah, people. The ugly like, oh man, exactly. It's like, you know, these, maybe I shouldn't have heroized <laughs> Christopher Columbus as a kid or mm, something, you know, like yeah, things like that. Like, okay. But as far as heroes go, man, again, not to sound cliche, the apostle Paul fascinates me just like with his past and 
the transformation that happened oh, into yeah. it, you know, like yeah. that, that before and after aspect of his life. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think, I mean, if there's anyone that's great to learn from, he's one of them. What is the worst fashion trend you've ever participated in? Uh, straightened hair, V-necks and really skinny jeans. Oh, yes. Yeah, man. There it is. Uh, 2008 to 2011 mm-hmm. metalcore scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like attack, attack. Prada, you know, those. Yep. What is your biggest pet peeve? Being late. I don't like being late uh, to things. Oh, yeah. Also, kind of flip side of that is I hate making people wait on me. I like that. That's nice. And that's consistent. Like, you don't like being late, <laughs> and, but you're keeping in mind the impact you're having on someone else. And that's why it makes you frustrated. Yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously, you can't be on time for everything. And people are going to be waiting on you. So it's, it's also like a patience tester. Yeah. Uh, so at certain times. Sure. You know. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Fly. I think that'd be pretty dope. Flying. I like it. It's, it's yeah. low impact, but you get to enjoy yourself. Yeah, nothing with like knowing people's thoughts, man. That's just that's too much. That's asking for two. Yeah, that's and that's that's just too invasive, <laughs> right. too, man. Do you remember your first live concert you attended? <laughs> yeah, it was Disciple at Harvest Church here in Billings. I think it was in like 2005. They were with uh, Stellar Cart and Falling Up and uh, Cutlass. Oh, what a classic. <laughs> Dude, right? <laughs> I, I like how you say Disciple, but it was Cutlass that was headlining. Yeah, Cutlass was the headliner, but but I went. We all knew you. I went for a disciple. (laughs) Yeah, man, I wanted. I wanted to rage. That was a good rager. I liked that. Okay, would you be able to choose the best live concert you've attended? Oh man, that's that's really good because obviously we've been to many concerts together. Yes, and so I think my favorite one was. uh, Oh man, dude, it is so tough. All right, it's a toss up between. The trilogy tour with Silent Planet, mm. Currents, and Vent Animates. Mm. That was February 2020. Yes, right before shutdown. Yep. I'm very fortunate and glad that we were able to experience yeah, that. in the before times. <laughs> yeah, right? That concert was just awesome, mostly because we'd seen Silent Planet before, but we hadn't seen, you know, Invent Animate or Currents before, and both of them just absolutely blew me away. Uh, the small stage setting yeah. is what I love right. better than big arenas. Okay. So it's kind of a toss up between that concert and then when we went and saw August Burns Red, Era, Silent Planet and Make Them Suffer uh, in Colorado Springs. Yes. Yep. Because you had like arena. Well, I guess August Burns Red, they're definitely a big venue caliber band. But But they were doing small venue tour that year. Exactly. A small venue tour. So you still no separation, you know, between crowd and stage. It was very good. Yeah. That was also an amazing concert. That was 2016, I believe. I think you're right. Yeah. Would you be able to narrow it down to one favorite band? All-time August Burns Red. Excellent. Yeah, no no other band has just stayed as consistent for so long and true to their sound as them. Yeah. And just, they're all super musicians. Right. And I think it's awesome. Love it. What was the first album you bought with your own money? It was uh, Pressure the Hinges by Haste, Haste the, the Day. Day. Wait, no, no. Actually, I take that back. The, oh, man. I don't remember if it was my own money or not, but in second grade, I got Alien Youth by Skillet. I don't remember if I bought it with my own money, though. So, yeah, we'll go with uh, Pressure the Hinges by Haste the Day because I know for a fact I got that with my own money. Excellent. Oh, boy. This is a new this is a new icebreaker I've been asking. Okay. Who would you call your best friend? 
that <laughs> that it's, is a hard it's a weird question, question for me to ask you right <laughs> yeah that is a weird question for you to ask me specifically you and me <laughs> <laughs> right that's, that's rude no pressure <laughs> no no this is this is interesting because like if you were to ask me before i moved to bozeman hands down i would have said you and it's like one of those things where it's something i've thought about a lot you know as people like move like when i moved to bozeman there's obviously some form of contact is severed you know yeah absolutely and so it's like during that time people kind of people change but you also you know i'm sure you met plenty of other people i met new people of course yeah so i think for history's sake it's you and then in a more recency's sake you met caleb he was you know in my yes uh, yes groom, grooms fella yep um, fella. Caleb, if you're listening, shout out. Absolutely. Caleb, yeah, I became friends with him in college and uh, yeah. he was a really good friend to have. Fantastic. I love it. I'm sorry to put you on the spot like that, but that was a new <laughs> one I had in the list. I was like, oh, I didn't think about this. <laughs> the implications. Oh, no. Yeah, right. Okay. To date, what would you consider your proudest achievement? Man, there's a lot of different directions this could go. I think... I'm proud and I don't want to sound prideful, but I am really happy that I graduated college Mm, mm -hmm. and now very thankful that I graduated college with everything that's going on because I hate online classes. I just can't learn that way as well. So I'm glad that I got out while I could. And then this isn't even a proud thing, but I'm just very happy that I met Kate and was able to marry her. Okay. Last icebreaker here. When you were little, what did you want to be when you grew up? A professional skateboarder. Whoa. I started skateboarding when I was six years old. And like I never had skateboarded before that. I don't think I'd really any even seen people skateboard before that. But we were at a garage sale in Laurel and they had a skateboard for sale. And at the bottom had like some dice that were on fire. And I thought that was the coolest thing. There you go. And I was like, man, I want to be cool. Cool people skateboard. That's I started skateboarding and did it for quite a few years. And then once I got into middle school, I kind of got out of it. But mm. for a long time, I wanted to be a professional skateboarder for sure. Okay. That was the end of the icebreaker. Michael Clausen, thank you so much for being on my podcast. This has been a long time coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's about time, I figured. Man, obviously you and I have a lot of history <laughs> that we could get into, but... <laughs> I I don't want to bring any of that kind of I know where we're coming from angle to the interview. So let's start with getting introduced to you. Like, so will you tell me about where you grew up and what your family was like growing up? Yeah, so I grew up in Laurel, Montana. Man, lived there for 20 years before I moved to Bozeman Mm. to go to college. Honestly, I would say I had a pretty good childhood. Nothing was ever too hard, and I'm thankful that I didn't really have helicopter parents like you know (laughs) they also didn't let me do whatever I wanted (laughs) I think part of it like when I skateboarded growing up man I I was like wanting to build ramps do jumps and you know do kind of dangerous things and looking back I'm sure they were probably scared for a lot of it but they're like all right yeah wear a helmet if you want you don't have to, you know, (laughs) 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 even that's optional, you know, right. Okay. You'll have to live with that, you know, Oh, geez. 
So, yeah, I feel like that was a good experience because I definitely knew people that had helicopter parents and I was like, oh my gosh, that just seems like the worst. Right. Like, I can't do anything. I can't Uh, handle that. (laughs) Yeah, so just grew up in Laurel. See, I was in public school from like up until seventh grade. Mm -hmm. I started homeschooling, which is how we met a few years after. It definitely is. Absolutely. Man, homeschooling was, it was definitely a change of pace for me. Sure. Yeah. You and I had a a unique experience of you became a homeschooler while I was still a homeschooler and we were homeschooled together for like two years. And then it was like we switched places. I went and did public school for high school and you stayed homeschooled until graduation. Yep. So that, that was a fun experience. Like I would come, I would (laughs) would come over after school and be like, yeah, I was talking to my friend so-and-so and you'd be like, oh yeah, I know them. Like it would, I would forget that you were in my class. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> right. Of, of course, course you, you know, know them. That makes so much sense. Gosh, man. What was your family like growing up? Do you have brothers, sisters? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so my parents and then an older sister and a younger sister. Right in the middle. Yes. Middle child. Middle child and only boy in the, in the family of siblings. What was that like? Correct. Honestly, it's hard to say. I feel like the only way I would know what to compare it to is if I had a brother or if I was somehow a girl, you know? Oh, okay. It's like one of those things where it's like, because I grew up that way, like without any brothers or anything. Sure. Since that's all I know, then that's normal. But that's not to say like, I haven't wondered like, oh man, if I had a brother, what would he be like? You know, what would he look like? Yeah. I don't know. Right. So I'm, I'm curious to hear your side of the story and like how you remember us meeting and how we became friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I know you, I know your story, your side of this. Yeah. And I don't remember anything from that side, um, which, you know, I, which is kind of funny saying I had like a good memory earlier. <laughs> Super Frankly, I, yeah, I don't remember that. What I do remember is like, I remember seeing you, you were hanging out with someone a lot and I was like, oh, this guy's probably a nerd. Yeah. I'm not a nerd. I used to (laughs) skateboard. I'm cool. Yeah, right. I listened to heavy music. And then I remember one time at church, you were talking with this person about the band Red. And boom, that caught my ear, you know? Oh, okay. That's when I was like, wait, he likes like rock and, you know, like music with some (laughs) screaming in it. Right. Have have I misjudged this guy? Mm. And then how we really became friends my parents went to san diego for just like a trip may have been an anniversary trip for them and they needed someone to you know watch me and so my mom apparently hit up your mom and i stayed a weekend at your house and the rest is history the rest is history and i still have never figured out the calculus between our two mothers like <laughs> I, I'm sure they were friends before your mom asked my mom about it. But the fact that like you and I barely knew each other also, like we were both like, that guy's kind of a loser. I don't know if I want to hang out with him. <laughs> yes. Yes. We both thought that about each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For very different reasons. Right. So like the short, the short side of my story was, I, I remember in fifth grade, we were doing like a, a sleepover for like our Sunday school. Like we were just about to be youth group age. Right. And uh, yeah. we did like a sleepover in the church annex. And that was the first night I ever dislocated my knee. I have no <laughs> idea how I did it, but just a weird standing move. 
while we were playing dodgeball and uh, that did me in. So I was like limping around the rest of the night and uh, we were all spread out on our sleeping bags just in that central room. And then <laughs> you and our friend Josh started getting into some shenanigans and like chasing each other around in the dark. <laughs> and you see it and you like full on stepped on my bad leg. And that was my first yeah. impression of you. I was like, yeah, well, I don't like this guy now. And then <laughs> it was like two <laughs> years later that my mom was like, oh, yeah, that Michael Clausen kid is going to stay with us for like a week. <laughs> I was like, what? What? Oh, OK. Surprise. Ta-da. Yeah. So what a weird. It was weird, but I'm so glad it happened for whatever I reason. I feel like. I feel like it's a classic two friends meeting yeah. story that you hear about. Right. When it's just like, oh, I thought that person was such a dork and a loser. Well, I thought that person was such a dork and a loser. Yeah. And now we're friends. You know? Yeah. Now we're friends. And it was bonding over music. I remember that. That yes. whole week yes. we were listening to music and like suggesting different bands for each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So let's talk about like this high school age for you. You said you were homeschooled starting in seventh grade. What kind of things were you getting up to? Like, what, where were your interests kind of finding themselves? Well, in middle school, so I think historically, this, I don't know if it's like a personality trait or whatever, but like I would get really into a hobby mm. and then just like do it all the time. And then if I started to get bored with it, I would just kind of detach myself from it and be like, all right, let's find something else. You know, so like from kindergarten to fifth grade, it was skateboarding. Mm -hmm. During that in fourth grade and a little into fifth grade, too, I got really into drawing and art. Fourth grade is also when I started learning guitar, just taught myself. Nice, nice. Then in seventh grade, I got really into soccer. We had just an OG Xbox. We got FIFA 06, a soccer game for it. And me and my dad would always play it. We had a great time playing that. And then I was like, man, if a soccer video game is this fun, like I bet actual soccer is really fun. And then I got really into soccer, had a great time playing it, had like a goal in my backyard that I would like practice shots on, you know? Nice. And then I think that's when after I kind of got, you know, bored with soccer, that's when I kind of circled back around to music because like, you know, I had played guitar every so often from that. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a bit later. But you actually I remember you encouraged me to play bass. You're like, dude, you should play bass. And I was like, OK, I don't re- exactly remember story. why. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that's probably a very condensed uh, version <laughs> of, of what happened. <laughs> Yeah. But I think it was either we were going to be doing worship band stuff Ooh, or yeah. we wanted to start our own band. And you were just like, dude, you should do bass. And I was like, all right. Mm. So I got a got a bass. And then I took some bass lessons in high school, just about a year's worth. That's the only like actual music training lessons or whatever I've ever had. Right. And then I was I realized, like, I want to start writing music. I want to write the kind of music I want to listen to and I can't really it's hard to start writing a song on a bass uh yeah except I did do that for one of my songs the first song I really got professionally done I actually there's a little bass look at the beginning and I wrote that first because I had just gotten this new bass and I was really excited to play it yeah (laughs) yep but yeah so ever since then I mean music has been a pretty big mainstay uh, as a creative outlet not to make money because if that was the goal I would be very discouraged and 
So that's not the goal. It's just purely a creative outlet that I want to make the music I want to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. And then also in high school, I got really into disc golf and just recently got really back into it too. Had a lot of fun at the disc golf league here in Billings. Oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah, it's it's one of those games where it's like sometimes you just hate it because you do so bad. And you're like, why am I doing <laughs> this? You know, why am I so drawn to right. this thing yeah. that makes me so mad, but I keep coming back to it, you know, but I have a lot of fun doing that as well. Nice. Yeah. So disc, I remember a lot of disc golf. As soon as you and I got our driver's licenses, man, it was like we were constantly figuring out when we could head to the course together next. Oh, yeah. Or even just throwing discs at your property. Oh, yeah. Or we would even just like pick a soccer field in Laurel and just hook discs to either end. Practice, man. Absolutely. (laughs) Field work is good. But uh, so what I had written down here for music, especially this was all in high school. Like, I don't I don't know if you realize it, but we we were so involved in music together. So I do think the bass encouragement came because I was starting to get into the the worship band at the youth group. And they were like, "Okay, we need a a bass kid. And I was like, I know just the guy. (laughs) You and I were in worship bands growing up in high school. I remember us playing a couple summer and winter camps. We even started playing at different churches around the Billings area. Mm -hmm. That was a good time. We were briefly in a band with our friends, the Parkers, called Eyes on Skies. And we did one show at the Perk. The Perk. What a classic. Yeah. To all four of those people that came. That was good. (laughs) you and i though we wrote a song together (laughs) yes we wrote many songs together yeah uh yeah so you and i we definitely wanted to start our own metalcore band inspired by like haste the day augustine's red devil wars prada basically the things that we were listening to relentlessly at the time yeah of course and uh you can hear some of those influences but not enough of them because i didn't have a double (laughs) bass drum pedal while we were writing uh and (laughs) but so you you can't see me there but when you said you didn't have a double bass pedal i literally just like kind of dipped my head into my hands like oh man the disappointment we we had such big aspirations absolutely (laughs) but our our two-man band do you remember what we called it Yes, we were called Coming as a Thief. I remember you coming up with this name. Do you remember the inspiration there? Yeah, so, you know, like, because we, we were going to be a Christian band, right? Of course. So, like, of course. everything had to be from that. And that's not a knock on anything, but, you know, we were just young and impressionable and, like, wanted to be exactly like the bands we listened to. Yeah. But, so, I grabbed a Bible, and, you know, as you, like, flip through the pages, it has, like, the section headings mm. before each passage. And so, like, I just started flipping through. I honestly think we may have been talking with each other on the phone when we did this, because I do remember, <laughs> I said it as a joke, but for some reason, there's a passage heading ca- called, Feed Your Little Goats. <laughs> and I said that... <laughs> Just because I was like the least metal sounding band name you could possibly name yourself. And I thought it was really funny. I remember this suggestion. Yes. Yeah. So feed your little goats did not stick. But no, it was uh, I think I came across it, I'm assuming it would either been had, had to have been from like Revelation or Matthew 24 or just another one of the accounts in the Gospels where Jesus is talking about his return mm. or his second coming. And so the title was coming as a thief. And I was like, oh, man, that's just that is so cool. That's and metal. metal. That's, that's what we're going to be called. So good. And then we went about and wrote an album's worth of lyrics. Of terrible, <laughs> terrible <laughs> lyrics. And for some reason, inexplicably, I typed them out all in Comic Sans font, too. 
All in Comic Sans. Yep. Yep. What a classic. And we would, it was kind of almost a backwards way to write songs. We wrote songs to the lyrics. Yeah. Instead of writing a song and putting lyrics to it. Yeah, so we yeah, had yeah. all these lyrics and then we just would write songs. Like we would call each other on the phone and then I'd be like, Steven, listen to this this riff I'm, I'm about to drop, dude. Like this is for, this yeah. is for later rest. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you had a song called later rest and I'd play it to you over the phone. You'd be like, Oh, it's so yeah, sick. You'd you know? put like, the phone <laughs> in front of your amp. I remember. Oh man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, that would have been eighth grade. Oh, when we did that. what a good, well, so then we recorded our first song together called no man's land. But though I think this one, we didn't write to lyrics. I think we just had like a bunch of jams in our head and we were like, Oh, the transition from this to this would be awesome. Let's, you know, I don't think it was to lyrics first. No, I think you wrote lyrics to that one after actually. Yeah. What a good. Because that, that was, No Man's Land was on our, uh, our album. Yeah. That actually never had a name. I don't think. Oh boy. Yeah. We can name it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just take it. I like it. So, uh, I actually managed to dig up the recording that we made this was the first time you and i recorded anything together and this is me on no metronome no this is good this is good to point out (laughs) (laughs) yeah there is no metronome nope and uh i was not very good at tempo Mm. back then Mm. Um, which was fun because we recorded guitar first for some reason i remember i think we did everything backwards we did yes literally everything but (laughs) i thought that it would be fun to play a clip of that right now so heck yeah here's what eighth or ninth grade michael and steven making music What a jam we created there. <laughs> Dude, I man, I was so, we were both so proud of that. Absolutely. I remember like we burned it onto a CD and then we like, we got in the car and we're just like, oh yeah, just rocking out to our music in the car and like your mom driving us and yeah. we're just like thinking we're rock stars and Whoa. she's probably like, oh my gosh, these guys don't know what yeah. a metronome is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well... <laughs> It was one of those things, too, where it was like the first time anything that we made. So, like, I remember thinking, putting that CD into the car and playing it, I had to make room for that CD by taking out a Haste the Day CD. And I remember being like, man, we're just like these guys. We made something on a CD that we can put... We're going to get signed to Solid State Records. Yeah. Well, and it's it's the same. It's honestly the same feeling I get when I pull up my podcast app and I see this podcast in my feed. I'm like, that's something I made next to something someone else made. Like, <laughs> oh, dude, for sure, man. When you make something like when I still put out songs, you know, like when I finally hear it back when it's like nice and polished and everything for the first time. Right. It's a rush, man. Like Absolutely. there's a, definitely a sense of accomplishment or just like, hey. I I did that. I made that. Oh man, it's very good. Okay, well, this is enough. This is enough from <laughs> young Stephen and Michael. Uh, I guess the highlight here was you and I graduated the same year, and we threw a joint uh, graduation party together. 
Yes. Which is fantastic. Yeah, we got Taco Bell to hook us up with a ton of free sauce because I was a regular at the Taco Bell in Billings <laughs> like at the time. boxes full. Yeah, and they liked me. And so my mom went in and was like, hey, you know this guy? And they're like, oh, yeah, we know him. Yeah. Can I can I get some hot sauce? <laughs> so <they're> like, okay. <laughs> I think that box of hot sauce lasted us two or three years after. Yeah, we had a lot of sauce. We it, Okay. This is enough of me talking, though. So after high school... Talk me through what your life was like leading up to moving to Bozeman for college. Yeah, so moved out of my parents' house, had a roommate, spoiler alert, it was you. Ayo, first roommates. <laughs> yes. First roommates. Oh. So yeah, in Mitch's basement. Yeah. By then, I had been working at Ashley Furniture for maybe a little over a year at that point. Mm-hmm. So that's the first real, real job I had. And... Then Mitch got married, and then we moved into Kyle's house with our our friend Justin. Had some good times there, and um, man, so leading up to Bozeman, man, that was that was a very very interesting part of my life. Mm-hmm. Beforehand, man, I was I think I was just really prideful, and going through what I went through, I guess, leading up going to Bozeman, and even in Bozeman, mm-hmm. you know, I went through a phase of. Well, not a phase. I don't want to say it like that. A season. That's a better word. Sure. Uh, A season of pretty bad depression. And I still think back to that time in my life and just think like, man, like I don't recognize that. Like, you know, like that. It's almost surreal to think about. Oh, wow. Yeah. Looking back where every day was basically you're staying mad every day and angry every day Mm. coming home smoking weed to make yourself not mad and to forget about being mad Mm. uh, and bitter and repeat. So that was by far, I think, like a point in my life where like there's definitely a clear before and after because I think going through that, man, it definitely, I think it matured me a lot and humbled me a lot Mm. Mm -hmm. in a lot of areas that I needed to be because, you know, before I went through that, if someone was like, hey, like I'm experiencing some depression or like I'm depressed, you know, I would say I would have this attitude that it's like, Oh, it's just a mindset. Like you're just either looking for attention or you're just sad. Just stop being sad, mm. which that's like the worst thing you can say, you know, that that's yeah, not going to do right. anyone Oof. any favors. And so having come out of that, cause I always thought like I was immune to it. Like that would never happen to me. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, and then it did, you know, coming out of the other end, that's what really drew me back into following Jesus because before all that I really wasn't even though I like grew up in the church and everything like that I never I think it's like one of those things where it was I was more writing on like my parents coattails rather than my own beliefs and that's not to you know discredit my parents they're really awesome godly people uh genuine people yeah but I think it was one of those things that forced me to pick is this something I believe or is this something that I don't believe and have just been saying, I believe, you know? Mm, mm-hmm. So it was a pretty wild ride uh, <laughs> mentally, emotionally, spiritually, I guess. But I think going through it, it definitely shaped me into a better person, but it's not something I would want to go through again, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like you've been through the fire. You don't need to walk back through it. Yeah, I'm sure there will be other fires to walk through, but, you know, like there's a reason it's called a mental illness and not a mm. mental attitude or something like that, you know? Sure. Wow. Yeah. So let's talk about college. And I guess there's a couple lenses we could talk through in college. So let's, let's just start with what you studied. I majored and graduated with a degree in graphic design. What got you interested in graphic design? 
so in fourth grade when they they do those things where it's like all right pick a degree like what do you want to do when you're older you know wow i picked graphic design just because i thought it sounded flashy i was like man that sounds really cool <laughs> as a kid i i cared a lot about being cool sure or perceived being perceived as cool right you know i was like dang that seems kind of cool like graphic design i don't really know what it is it sounds cool never really thought about it again until high school and my dad was a uh, at the time he was the sales manager at the ashley furniture here in uh, billings mm-hmm. and whenever they would start a new sale or offers or whatever one day he just came home and was like hey you want to make an ad for us i was like uh what he's like yeah we need an ad we'll pay you 50 bucks to do it. and i was like oh Whoa! Heck yeah! Yeah, gone are the days where it's one dollar a bag of raked leaves. (laughs) Oh man, yeah, we're uh, rolling in the big bucks. Rolling in the big bucks, and so we downloaded a demo version, not even of Adobe Illustrator, it was a Corel Draw at the time. Oh wow! And I threw together an ad, and they ran it in the store, and like then after that, I just started doing ads for them. And like looking back, they are not good designs at all i know they're on facebook but i hid that album so it's not public okay yeah but i didn't want to delete it because it's like man it's that reminder like look where you came from you did that and (laughs) thought it was good but uh yeah so i think doing that it got me interested in graphic design and like messing around in like photoshop illustrator that kind of stuff and then after I graduated high school, I took like a gap year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. You know, I was really considering going to Bozeman for school. Not sure what in. And then I was like, man, I guess I could still do graphic design because I was like doing a lot of design stuff uh, on Reddit for metalcore bands, like the bands I, I listened to. Yeah, I would make ads or not ads, but just announcements for them when they were going to come on and do like Q&A. So I got to like talk to the band members and be like, hey, when are you guys coming on? Mm. You know, what do you want this to say? You know, who's going to be doing the Q&A, that kind of stuff. Nice. And so I called uh, Chris Halleck up and, you know, because he's the pastor at Grace Bible Church in Laurel, and he also graduated from MSU with a degree in graphic design. Mm. Um, So I called him and asked for his input, and he's like, oh, you should do it. He didn't even hesitate. He was just like, (laughs) you should do it. It's an awesome program. That's excellent. This is how, yeah, he's like, this is how it works. Like, they'll start you out doing physical art and get you like a foundation on that. Uh, and they'll teach you all the basics. And then the second year is when you actually start doing graphic design related stuff built on fundamental art principles. And that's pretty much exactly what it was. Um, even though, you know, it's like 20 some odd years later or whatever, that's still how they do it. And I loved it. I thought it was a great program. I never felt overtly stressed during it. I love getting to create. That's how I've known you like your entire life. I feel like had you chosen anything thing to study that didn't involve making something that didn't exist before then maybe the stress would come in for you but the fact that you were (laughs) like constantly getting to like create with your hands and like utilize your imagination in such like an interesting and involved way Mm -hmm. that's pretty much your jam it's definitely where i thrive the most okay so another lens we could apply to college was your involvement in the campus ministry Mm -hmm. and how how that affected your life so would you talk me through that So when I had come out of depression, I think it's different for a lot of people, but without getting into too much detail, for me, it was kind of a fluke interaction with someone where it was basically the right person at the right time said the right things to me Mm. that was the exact opposite of the lies that I had been feeding myself for so long that were based on what other people 
were feeding me. Wow. And for me, that was enough to actually like give me that kick in the pants to kind of take a step back and reevaluate why I was so depressed um, and so angry all this time. Mm. And even, you know, the months following that were still tough. There were definitely times where like I remember just walking down campus and feeling this draw back into that mindset and having to just say, no, like I'm not going back. I'm not going back there. So it came to this point where, you know, I thought to myself like, okay, I'm, I feel like for the first time in almost a year, you know, a year and a half that I'm thinking clearly. And, you know, during depression, I would have been like, you know, I said like, I'm not a Christian just publicly. I said that, you know, I don't know what I believe. I'm interested in searching. I basically had this line of thought, you know, because we went to the same youth group and everything. So we learned a lot about other religions, you know, as part of our our youth group growing up a little bit. Right. And I thought to myself, you know, it's like I know enough about all these belief systems out there to know that if there's one that's different, it's Christianity that stands out the most to me. And so I was like, okay, this is how I'm going to approach it this time. I'm going to go to crew and... I was like, I'm just going to be completely open and honest with everyone there about why I'm there, where I was and what I just came out of, you know, that season of depression and everything. Mm -hmm. And if they don't like that, then that's going to leave a horrible taste in my mouth. But I was like, if I'm accepted, basically, like if if they're acting in a way that resembles the way Jesus would have acted, that is going to going to be instrumental in me wanting to continue searching out Christianity. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so I texted Kayla Halleck. I know she's been on the show before, and obviously we know her. Yep. I was like, hey, I want to come. And she's like, awesome. I have two friends that would love to sit with you. She's like, I'm not going to be there. I was such an introvert and a shut-in at this point in my life that going somewhere with hundreds of people, not knowing a single one was terrifying to me. Because like I had mentioned, my days were like, come home, smoke weed, stay home. And then have as little human interaction as possible. Right. Yeah. So I was like, nope, if you're going to do this, Mike, you got you got to get out of your comfort zone. So I did. And it was a great decision. I eventually, you know, came around and decided to, you know, become a Christian again at the end of that semester because I realized like, yeah, I believe all this stuff, but I was too afraid to commit to it. Mm. And that was kind of his name's Matt. Uh, Matt Kirby. He was the, a guy that asked me a question over lunch. He's on staff with crew. And I just told him like, hey. I know I believe all this stuff, like everything you guys are talking about, whether it's in your small groups or in your main messages, I find myself agreeing with, but I still won't commit to calling myself a Christian. And the question that he asked me was, what's holding you back? And that was the question that was just like, it made me really do some self-reflection. And it was this realization that when I was depressed, I felt like I had completely no control in my life. Everything was out of my hands. Mm -hmm. And now that I wasn't anymore, It was very tempting to be like, ah, yes, I have control. I can do what I want and kind of fix things up myself. And I realized, no, you already tried to do that. And you ended up in the deepest, darkest spot that you never thought you would be. You became someone you weren't. Yeah. That was the question that really got me to just face the facts. And then, yeah, I went on a few mission trips with crew. I did one in Lake Tahoe, which was more just uh, leadership training and things like that. But there is also Tahoe is an incredibly diverse place just because people from all over the world of all different backgrounds, Mm -hmm. faiths, everything go there because it's 
freaking beautiful. Absolutely. Uh, the, the lake is, yeah, the lake is awesome. And so we would also, it was an opportunity just to like go out and talk to people and hear their experiences about faith, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, about life, that kind of thing. Yep. And then the next summer I went to Moscow in Russia. Wow. And I know you had Bridger on the show in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also on that trip with me. Yeah. And that was a definitely a tough trip. Uh, we hit the ground running and we never stopped, but definitely opened my eyes to like, Man, especially during that time, there's just so much political tension between Russia and America. But you talk to the Russian people and they're just nothing like that, you know, and they were so they wanted to emphasize that so much. They were just like, hey, like, we're not our government, you know, like we like America. We like you Americans. We're super excited to be practicing English with a Native American speaker, you know. Wow. Yeah. And it's really cool to see because, I mean, obviously in America, you know, I think every nation has stereotypes about them. Of course. Yeah. I think for Americans to Russians, it's the classic, you know, vodka, stoic Russian, uh, you know, like riding frozen tundra. Right. Exactly. And it's nothing like that, man. Like Russians were so warm and friendly. I will say the American stereotype, man, you can pick out an American in Russia. And I think this goes for other European countries, too. We're loud. We are very loud people. Yeah. Everyone talks so quiet over there. And yeah. so like the, how, I, how I'm talking right now is probably like three times as loud as they would talk, you know? That's something that Kayla Halleck mentioned on her episode too. She noticed, wow, going to South America, going to Europe, <laughs> like we're loud people. Yeah, dude, Americans are loud. But no, it was definitely really cool overall just because like people still want to love and get to know people. But depending on how you're filtering things and who you're filtering it through, aka a lot of it is the news and media, depending on, you know, how you go down that. But it can affect what the truth is, you know, like who people really are rather than how they're portrayed. And so I think going there is really good to not let, you know, stereotypes are just what our government says about Russia or what certain people are saying about Russia be the reality of what Russia was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wowzers. Okay, the final framework that I had in mind for your college experience was this is where you met your wife. (laughs) Yeah. So let's see. We met about two and a half years ago. We both went to crew, but crew isn't how we met each other. Okay. We had all the same friends, same friend group. And it was during March Madness 2018. (laughs) And our friend group was just hanging out a ton you know, I was going to I'm just hanging out playing games. And then all of a sudden, Kate started showing up. And I was like, I kind of know her like I've met her in the past, but very briefly. Mm-hmm. As time went on, again, friend group just kept hanging out like a few times a week. And, you know, she was there every time. And each time I was like, dang, like, she's kind of cute. She's really funny. She's really nice. Everyone seems to like her. So I would do this thing when it came to dating, cause Kate was my first girlfriend. Yeah. Only girlfriend. Oh, so good. And so, so while I was in college, this was my approach to dating or whether or not I actually wanted to pursue a crush or something like that. Mm-hmm. If I thought that I was like maybe getting feelings for someone, I would take a month about or however long it took and do everything to talk myself out of it. Okay. And if somehow I didn't, then I'd be like, okay, maybe then I actually do have feelings for her, you know? Wow. Or so basically every time this happened, it only happened, I would say maybe three or four times, three times that I know for sure. So each time that happened, that person would either like move or ended up dating someone else (laughs) or whatever, you know, I was like, okay, cool. Right. 
obviously not meant to be, right? And so I did that same method for Kate, and I just never ended up talking myself, you know, out of it. And wow. uh, yeah, we just kept hanging out. And uh, when we had, you know, the define the relationship talk, we basically decided, okay, I was just ready to go. You know, I was like, I like you. I want to date you. She was like, I think you're interesting. And I want to get to know you better. <laughs> yeah, okay. So this was May 2018. And she said, or we agreed that uh, we would take that month and like once or twice a week, we would just hang out with each other and go on dates, no strings attached. Yeah. She knew how I felt. I knew how she felt. And the reason that month being was in mid-June 2018 is when I was leaving to go to Russia for five or six weeks. Mm, yep. And I was basically like, I would like to have talked about this not right before the trip, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and she was like, nope, that's that's fair. And so, yeah, we just spent that month like going on dates with each other, getting to know each other, and we revisited it at the end of the month. And that's, yeah, when we decided to start dating. And we dated a little over two years and then uh, got married June 13th. 2020. Absolutely. 2020, baby. Oh, man. Will you tell me about the scorekeeping dollar? <laughs> oh, yeah. So I guess that's kind of an important aspect of how we started, like, hanging out. So during March Madness, there is this game. I don't remember who it was between, but there is, you know, two teams playing. And it was so obvious one team was going to win. There was, like, two minutes left, and one team was down by, like, 40 points. And... Uh, I just kind of, I wouldn't even say this directly to her. I was just being a dork. Just said it out loud. I was like, hey, I'll bet someone a dollar that team that's ahead 40 is going to win. And then Kate was just like, I'll take that bet. <laughs> I was like, okay, what? You know, and then nothing really happened. Well, then, uh, like maybe a week later, I don't know, we, we did a game night at her house. And jokingly, I was like, hey, you got that dollar for me? She's like, oh, yeah, let me go get it. And she actually went and got it. Nice, uh, nice. So then I had this dollar. So then what it became is like a lot of our dates revolved around playing games like darts, pool, cornhole, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. So we would bet the dollar and whoever won would get to keep that dollar and then you would tally it. And so it was like you would keep tallies like who it was basically a long game. And uh, I think she ended up with more tallies on it because we kind of quit doing it after a while. Yeah. I think technically it should be in my hands right now because I beat her at a game of bowling a long time ago. Okay. I don't know if she still has it. I think she does. But yeah, Ooh. so that dollar was kind of like the conduit for how we started talking a bit more. This you know? is so, so good. I remember <laughs> I remember on a phone call you told me about the dollar and I was like, this is so flippin'. This is creative. I love this. I love <laughs> Because you both are competitive people. You like to win. Oh, dude, I didn't think I was competitive, but oh my gosh, I am. And the thing that stinks is that she's so good at winning. <laughs> so we will like play a new game and I'm learning it. Yeah. You know, we've both never played it before. Right. And then uh, we'll go on to the second round. She's like, all right, I'm going to try a new strategy. I'm like, you're already strategizing. Like, I'm still trying to learn the basics here. <laughs> And you're coming up with strategies. Right. What is that? You know? Oh, so yeah. <laughs> so good. 
and married June 13th, 2020, like two years later, right? Yep. So good. Man, I had the pleasure of being your best man after you got to be my best man for my wedding. Five years apart. Five years apart. Absolutely. Yeah. I I just (laughs) went for it, man. Age 20. Yeah, dude. It was time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I just, I love how tight we've managed to be. Even after putting you on the spot for the best friend question. I, we were best friends since the seventh grade. We made music together. We disc golf together. We had the same graduation party. We were our, each other's first roommates out of high school, each other's mm-hmm. best men. Like, man, I'm just so, I'm just so happy with the way our friendship and relationship has carried us all the way through. I love it. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh man. It's so good. So thank you for that. Glad I could help. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for listening to No Normal People this week. If you like what you're hearing, the best place to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts or Facebook.com where you can leave us a five-star rating and a one or two sentence review. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at No People Pod. That's K-N-O-W People Pod. Also, be sure to use our hashtags NoNormalPeople and hashtag KNP. classic concept? Try the Whiskey Bench podcast. Start with a free pour of our complicated and fascinating world. Followed by an ounce or two of intellectual humility. Add a dash of philosophy, politics, or current events. Zest with fresh, spicy opinions. Garnish with shenanigans. Best served neat. I'm Stephen Torna. I'm Kat Dwyer. And I'm Stephen Henning. This is a podcast where we seek to graduate the understanding of our world beyond meme culture. We find that a well-rounded cocktail has a lot in common with good conversation. It's all about balance and complimentary flavors. So join us every week as I present you with a new cocktail recipe paired with wide-ranging conversation. Follow us on social media at Whiskey Bench Pod and subscribe to the Whiskey Bench wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, always drink responsibly and cheers to a fulfilled life with all its beauty. So you guys, you guys move here to Billings right after you get married. What spurred that decision? What got you back here to Billings with me? Um, so Kate is going to Rocky right now in their physician's assistant program. She spent a long time applying to schools and like PA schools are just really hard to get into. You know, it's yeah. kind of notorious for that. Yep. And, and it costs a lot of money just to apply. And you've got to write a bunch of essays as to why should they you know, why they should accept you. So it's a lot of work. And on this round of applications, it was basically to the point where it was like, if I get in, awesome. But if I don't, I may have to just pick a different career path. And wow. she applied at Rocky and a few other places. And then Rocky accepted her. And we were just like, praise God. Yes, yes, this is awesome. We're in. Yeah. But that was before we had even started talking about marriage that she got accepted. So we had to figure that out too. <laughs> yeah, that was a roller coaster of... <laughs> 
<laughs> little, little fun fact, Caleb Blasloffy. He was the guy that spurred the idea in my head that it's actually easier to be married while you're in school versus waiting till after. Right. Because we were both going to wait and see. We'll like, oh, we'll see how PA school goes and mm-hmm. then maybe decide to get married or put it off. And he was just like, I've actually heard it's easier because like, you know, you're there all the time. You can help around the house. You can cook and clean, whatever. Like, it's not as hard to make time for each other. Right. And I was like, oh, my gosh, all those reasons are so much better than any reason not to. (laughs) So thanks, Caleb. (laughs) Good on you, man. But yeah, so that's the main reason why we came to Billings. Um, And I'm still working at Ashley Furniture in the process of updating my design portfolio to start looking for a job. But I got a few uh, freelance projects I've been working on as well. Yeah, I guess that that was my next question, what you do for work. So it's it's freelance graphic design a little bit while you're working at Ashley Furniture still. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So good. Back to the back to the being married and one of you in college kind of thing. I like to ask people about that on this show. And actually, usually when I ask, I have you guys in mind because I remember it being a, a big conversation between you and Caleb and then between you and me, like you were kind of looking to do some fact checking uh, the way. Yeah. Because yeah. Dixie and I were dating while we were in college and we would both say like, man, it would have been so much easier. So <laughs> what have you learned about being married with one of you as a full-time student. One of the things we learned really fast, Kate was like, honestly, like if we weren't married and we were like not living together, you know, during this time, I don't know if we would be seeing, like, I don't know if we'd even have time to see each other because PA school is very demanding. It's intense. Yeah. Like you're not even allowed to have a job while you do it. Like studying and class is your job basically yep. yep so we both learned really fast that getting married going through it was absolutely the right call yeah I, I wouldn't have done it any other way yeah so are there like intentional practices you guys have built into your life to make sure that you're making time for your marriage and also allowing her all the study time she needs yeah basically you know if she needs to study i don't have any issues with it like it's a big commitment and we moved here to you know so she could go to school and everything so i was like i don't want to do anything that hinders that yeah absolutely and it also works out because a lot of my hobbies are things i can do by myself write music or disc golf it kind of works out in that way that a lot of my hobbies can be done by myself um while she's studying and everything like that um and if she has like a friend over to study with or something i can just be like all right i'm just gonna you know go play a few rounds at Pioneer Park or something like that. Right. But we also definitely keep in mind just like having date nights and everything. So Saturdays, in our minds, it was going to be Mondays because she really doesn't have too much to do on Mondays. Mm. But Mm -hmm. typically it's ended up being Saturdays being like our night together. And I'm really thankful too because our our church we're going to is just starting uh, a series about marriage during the pandemic and everything like that. So Wow, excellent. Well, so we've come to my favorite part of the podcast where I pretty much just open it up and ask, what do you like to think and talk about when you have nothing else to think and talk about? Or like the generic version is, what are you passionate about? And I feel like we've already, pardon the pun, but I feel like we've already plucked a couple strings on like what you're (laughs) passionate about. But where would you begin to describe your passions? Writing music and playing guitar. I I just love it. I I mentioned it earlier, but like, I don't do it for money or anything. I just do it because I want to write the kind of music I want to listen to, you know? Yes. I love writing heavy music with like intricate riffs. I also love melodic atmosphere and cinematic, you know, sounds and buildups or mm, whatever. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you would hear in a movie score or something like that. So I just try to write stuff that kind of incorporates both. 
I think what I really like about my music is it's kind of turned into also an expression of what I like learning just in my spiritual walk. Yeah. So like on my Bandcamp page, you know, in the description, or I just go under the name Watcher. And Watcher exists kind of as a, a way to explore like the relationship between natural and supernatural through instrumental music. So cool. And so I love it because I can combine music, graphic design, because I design the artwork and everything for my songs. It's one of my favorite parts about writing a song actually is being like, all right, this is how it sounds. How do I make artwork that sounds like this or that looks like how this sounds? Whoa. Okay. So the only things that I really use to guide it, you know, is the song name. And the song names all have meanings behind them. Mm -hmm. But I guess theologically, I'm very interested in just the aspect of the supernatural and just like the supernatural element that really permeates the Bible that I think we're kind of removed from, whether that's uh, because of time. I think it's more so of the Western culture. And so I, I read these books by Dr. Michael Heiser. He's like a PhD in ancient Hebrew and some other ancient languages. Hmm. Um, and I believe he has like a master's in Near Eastern history. So basically, this guy knows the original language down to the grammar and everything, but also the historical context that they were dealing with. Mm-hmm. And so he wrote some books. He wrote one called The Unseen Realm, which is basically like deals with things like why wasn't Eve surprised when the serpent started talking to her? Why does Paul refer to spirits in terms of geographical rulership? And where does that idea come from? You know, things like that. And he just breaks it down showing like why they matter and also why it's important not to try and you look at these things that were written 2000 and some longer than that, you know, 2000 years ago through a 21st century lens Mm. because we're not the original audience they were written to. So there's some things contextually that don't make sense to us that would have made sense to the readers. Yeah, And sometimes that takes a bit more digging and research to find out. But once you learn it, like I have never had my mind blown more by that book and his book uh, called Demons, where it specifically focuses on the powers of darkness in the Bible, but also just ancient cultures surrounding Israel at the time. One of the most fascinating reads I've ever done. Anyways, so I'm really inspired by some of that supernatural imagery, especially on my last two songs, Solace in the Sea. Mm -hmm. The cover is kind of a play like, you know, John says he saw the sky recede like a scroll uh, in Revelation. And so I wanted to make artwork that was kind of my take on that. Wow. Yeah. Basically, from here on out, I think the way I approach writing music is like, I just think of a concept dealing with like this crazy imagery that we're presented with things we can't see and then writing music that kind of maybe sounds like that or, you know, if there's a mood that is associated with it, kind of pairing it up with that. I think it's just a great hobby because I get to combine everything I like into it. Seriously. Yeah. You get to create the music you want to create based around the atmosphere or like the emotion or the theological idea that you're brewing on at the moment. And then you get to create the visual artwork on top of what it sounds like to create this, like this visual and audiological pairing. It's so cool, man. So what was going on in your mind when you wrote your most, your most recent two songs are solace in the sea and they're kind of presented as a dyad on purpose. Like the transition between solace and the sea is intended to make it sound like one continuous song. Yes. So what was going on in your mind and how does how does Solace set up what the sea becomes later? So Solace is basically, you know, taking comfort in troubling or trying times. And at the time, I, I've 
done a lot of research, I guess, you know, in Matthew 24, Jesus is talking to his disciples about, you know, the end of the age and basically things to expect during that and leading up to it. Mm -hmm. And so basically he presents like a lot of things that, you know, seem scary. There's like deception, wars, natural disasters, false gospels, false teachers, like that, that kind of stuff that is rampant at that time. And he's basically saying like, expect this and don't be afraid of this. Mm. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, I am with you till the end of the age. So solace was this idea that like during these times of hardship, even right now, you know, we're in this pandemic that no one can agree on what's happening. Things are crazy. Like yeah, right. uh, people, tempers flaring up, whatever. None of it's taking God off guard. <laughs> we have we have a limited perspective. So it's like that challenge to try and match that perspective. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I do know the one that knows what's going on. And so solace was just this idea. It's like, we don't have to worry about what the world throws at us. Uh, and we don't need to cling to that as our hope. It manifests itself in a lot of different things for people, whether it's like politics or comfort or whatever it is, you know? Right. Yeah. So that's why solace, like I wanted it to be kind of this inspiring build up type song mm-hmm. with a lot of layers. And then the sea, because it kind of goes into the sea in Revelation, it talks about a beast rising out of the sea. It talks about like, you know, the dragon or whatever stands at the shore of the sea. And later when John is presented with his vision of heaven, where every tribe, tongue and nation is there, he says the same, he says the sea was no more. And I've always thought that was a cool thing to say. And as I, I looked into it more, you know, obviously revelation uses symbolism just like crazy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very, a very symbolic book. So in kind of that ancient way of thinking, you know, the sea is something that's untamable. It's, it's it's chaos. Yeah. It was often associated with evil spirits, even the devil in in some instances, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting when, you know, when Jesus crosses over to go to Gentile territory, how there's a violent sea. And um, apparently that sea was also associated with like evil spirits and everything like that. Mm. But anyways, so this idea, you know, you see the beast rising out of the sea, this untamable chaos and mess that produces chaos and evil is no more in the new heaven and new earth. And so solace is this idea is like, take comfort, don't be taken off guard because someday everything that's going wrong in the earth uh, and all the evil that is happening in the earth, someday it's, it is going to be gone. Wow. Yeah. So I think that also affected the music in the way that like uh, the sea is definitely heavier and it's a bit more aggressive in some parts, but it still has that melodic atmospheric overtone that kind of permeates throughout solace as well. Right. So I definitely try to make my music have some kind of like uplifting or encouraging vibe to it, even if it is being really heavy. I'm just all about that. Like, don't get me wrong. I love like, I I like to listen to really heavy music. That's just there for the sake of being heavy. Yeah. But I don't like to, (laughs) I don't like to write it as much. You know, if I'm going to go heavy, I also want there to be melody. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's melody and, hmm. Well, I just want to play a clip of the sea to kind of give people a flavor of what you're talking about here. Right on.
talk me through the decision to never invite lyrics and vocalists into your music. <laughs> There's a few reasons. I think one of the biggest ones, I simply can't do metal vocals. If I could do them and I could do them well, I probably would have lyrics. So you mean you uh, can't scream? <laughs> correct. Okay, uh, gotcha. I don't have that voice control that right. uh, the, the professionals do. Man, it's so frustrating. I've tried it before and... <laughs> I know. Dude. I can't, I can't nail it down either. I wish Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like <laughs> on my bucket list of like, be a metal core screamer. <laughs> <laughs> Things to learn. Seriously. But I mean, I've gotten offers, you know, people have been like, Hey, like, do you need a vocalist? I'm like, Oh no, no. Um, I think the other reason is like watcher is just my creative outlet. You know, I can't rely on graphic design because that's ultimately a job, right? Even though you are doing creative things. Sure. One thing I was told by a lot by professors or just professionals is you don't want to rely on graphic design as a profession to be your creative outlet. Whoa. You can still use it as your creative outlet to like create the things you want to create maybe in your spare time or something like that. Yeah. So for me, music is that creative outlet. It's just kind of like my thing. You know, I've collaborated with some people on my song, The Condition and One and a Half, collaborated with a, a guy on piano. But for the most part, yeah, I just do it because it's kind of a creative outlet. And uh, I don't know if I would be very fun to work with just because oh. I'm so attached to what I'm making. There's that emotional attachment too. who knows, maybe someday that'll change. But for right now, you know, I'm, I'm really into like post rock music, which for those of you that don't know, that's just instrumental music that uses typical rock instruments, guitar, bass and drums, mm -hmm. but they don't follow a typical rock song structure. Yeah. And it's usually centered around like big buildups and atmosphere creating kind of this ethereal feeling. So I basically try to combine things like that with metal music. And so my songs do tend to run longer than the average song, um, you know, anywhere from like four and a half to seven minutes in some cases. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and I just, I guess, don't know if I touched on this, but the other reason I like it instrumental too is like almost to just like let your mind think, you know, because I'll have the song name and the album art and there may be a brief explanation as to the inspiration behind the song. But other than that, like it's up to you on how you want to experience it, I guess. You know, it's almost like create the movie to the soundtrack in your mind Ooh. based on what you're seeing and, you know, the a brief like explanation of the song or yeah. something like that. Tapping into the imagination of whoever's listening, like allowing their brain to do the work. Oh, yeah. 100%. And that's so good. Yeah. Would you put anything under this drawer or like would you do, would you describe anything else as like a passion of yours? So, I mean, I love to disc golf. My groomsman, Caleb, he started getting into it like a couple months before I moved up here. So we played quite a bit over in Bozeman. Mm -hmm. uh, and that reinvigorated my love for it, too, because I've been I've been playing it for a really long time, but like never really took it super seriously. And then like I just got really into it, you know, like watching professional disc golf on YouTube and like form videos and everything like that, trying to figure <laughs> out what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. So I think that's definitely a, a pretty big uh, hobby of mine for sure. And I think, man, the other one going back just theologically, I you talked about like that supernatural stuff. I think too, I, what I'm really interested in is learning like what the early church taught and how a lot of modern traditions have veered from it. That really fascinates me. Mm. It's kind of a line of thought of, okay, so, you know, this early church father was discipled by this guy who was discipled by the apostle John, who was discipled by Jesus. What does he have to say about this versus 
these other guys 2000 years removed versus what they're saying about it and who do I think has a better say, you know, like a guy that's like the spiritual grandfather of the apostle John or some guy over here, you know, and I've come to find, man, there's like, I'm still learning through it, but, uh, there's just a lot of things that are very challenging for me because I'm like, wow, this is like either the way they viewed this subject or that subject or whatever is very different than what's been ingrained in a traditional American, you know, Western sense. Wow. Yeah. So I'm not sure like exactly where I land on everything when it comes to that, but it definitely is challenging and it, you know, gives me pause and really a lot of self-reflection on a whole lot of fronts. Which is the best work of theology, like turning inward and like really rooting out where your own beliefs come from. And like, is that actually rooted in something that's life-giving or is that something we might, we might be able to let go or like at the end of the day, we all kind of shrug at this. So can I really like build a ton of certainty around it? You know? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like one of those things, like even Paul, you know, he commends the Bereans. He's like, Hey, you guys, uh, you know, you didn't just believe it. Cause we told you, you took some time and searched it out for yourself. Yeah. You know, yeah. You searched everything to see if what we were telling you was in alignment with that. Mm-hmm. You know, he commends them for that. So, yeah, I think, yeah, you you do have to take a step back and like, really, you know, are there like certain pet doctrines or pet teachings or mindsets or whatever that we've adopted that are actually far from what was historically taught, you know? Wow. There's a book on my list that I want to read. It's called New Wineskins and the Simple Words of Christ. And it's basically written by someone who's kind of an expert in early church history where he just kind of shows like, the early church, like they took Christ's words very simply and they didn't leave a whole lot of room for like, you know, exceptions. I find that idea very fascinating. It's a book I, I want to read for sure. Okay. We've talked about a couple hobbies already. I wanted to talk a little bit more about disc golf. Let's do it. Dude, again, this was one of the sports you and I got introduced to probably seventh or eighth grade. We started playing with a couple high schoolers in our youth group at the yeah. time. And uh, it's it's kind of been a through line for our friendship, like a lot of our time together is spent out on the course. And I remember growing up and knowing that Tuesday night here in Billings was leagues night and being very intimidated (laughs) by by the leagues players. And now you went and joined leagues this summer and I want to hear all about it. Dude, it's fun, man. There's never anything to be intimidated about. It's literally the same as when you're playing a casual round. Like you have great rounds and you have horrible rounds. Yeah. Like the last uh, league thing was last Tuesday. It was the last one before they start doing the glow leagues at night. And, you know, I was like doing good in warmups. I was hitting throws. I was like, I feel good. And then I proceeded to shoot the worst round I had ever shot. Oh, no. I think par for the course is like a 54. And I was, I think I was either upper 60s, maybe in the 70s. Ouch. I did horrible. And the only birdie I got on 18 holes was a hole I had never birdied before. So if there's one takeaway, I guess it's that one. Wait, but no, wait, basically wait how it, uh, which hole? I have to know. Seven, under the tunnel across the creek. Really? Okay. Yes, never birdied that one before because I always hit trees or got in the water. Man, across the creek. I, I hate that hole in that formation. Dude. I love the hook around is, the hill. It's so much harder, but man, the rush of getting over through the gap is satisfying for sure. It's quite amazing. Absolutely. Um, But no, yeah, basically how the disc golf league works is you show up and you pay $4 and all the money goes back into the league. 
So like course maintenance or like if there's a, a mid or end season tournament or whatever, you know, some cash prizes for whoever shoots best, like sure. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then there's a, a $1 ace pot, which is optional, but you're only optional to win the ace pot if you put in. So obviously everyone puts in, right? Okay. Yep. I almost won it a couple times. It got up to like over 300 bucks by the end of the season. No one ended up winning it. Whoa, geez. My first night of leagues, I almost got a hole in one. Dave, he's the guy that runs it. He was like, dude, if you were in like two inches higher, that would have been it. And I was like, are you kidding? Oh, yeah. And then I, I've hit basket on a few other ones. So close yet so far. But yeah, so basically how it works is you have bag tags and how you shoot determines your position, right? So for an example, when I went into the end of league tournament last Tuesday, I was tag number eight. The highest I had been was three. I dropped down to 39 after that. Whoa. Okay. Oh, so your your tag number changes per round or per, per night? Round. Per, per round. Per round. Jeez. Okay. Or per night, I guess. Yeah. So you play 18 holes and then at the end, everyone... Swaps tags. Yep. You put your tags out and then... Whoever shoots best, you know, they grab a new tag and then it just goes down. And sometimes you stay the same. uh, Sometimes you don't. Okay. And so, yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. Like everyone's super casual. I think like, you know what you were saying when you were younger in high school, like you see those people with like huge bags with like, you know, (laughs) 25 discs in them. Yeah. And you're like, oh my gosh, that person's probably really good. Yeah. And, you know, they're probably super serious. I'm just a filthy casual. You know, (laughs) it's, it's, (laughs) dude, it's not like that at all, man. Like, oh, okay. Everyone at leagues is super chill. Everyone has bad rounds. Of course. Yeah. You know, and I've told you this before because, you know, you were like, I was like, Steven, you should join leagues. You're like, I don't know if I'm good enough to yet. And I was like, oh, dude, you easily shoot better than some of the people at leagues consistently. Oh, it's okay. It's mostly fun to play with people. It's also a great way to learn because when you're playing with a group of four people that take it somewhat seriously you can learn things from them be like oh like how did you throw that and why did it fly that way or whatever right. you know talk me through why you chose that disc with that throw yeah 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 okay so speaking of learning from people i saw on instagram recently that you played around here in billings with a pro uh yeah so me and kate my uh wife likes to come disc golf with me when she gets the chance yeah and we've watched some videos from a guy, his name's Scott Stokely, and I didn't know who he was. Like, I just thought he was a YouTuber, but the way in his videos, he explains things very well, and you can tell he's been doing it for a long time. Like, he's a great teacher for disc golf. And so then I'm playing a practice round one day, and I finish the, you know, nine holes up, and I'm going to play another nine holes, and I see him at T-pad one. And I was like, that guy kind of looks familiar. What? And then I got close. What? I got closer. I was like, oh my gosh, I, I recognize this guy from YouTube. And so I asked him, I was like, hey, this sounds like a weird question, but uh, I was like, do you make YouTube videos? He was like, yeah, I do. I was like, I knew I recognize you. Me and my wife have watched your videos to like help fix some mistakes we were making in our throws. You know, he's like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome. I was like, yeah, like, can I play around with you? And he's like, yeah, dude, I'm just going to be like, you know, kind of dinking around. I'm going to be throwing a few discs each hole, like, you know, just practicing. He was he was on his way to compete in a tournament in Helena. And I was like, sweet. And then, you know, he does some throws. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this guy is good. And I come to find out. So there are these people ahead of us that got a disc stuck in a tree. And he's like, hey, uh, I have this like 12 time world champion disc. Uh, my buddy gave it to me. I don't know if you've I can't shoot. What was his name? I don't remember his name. I actually don't know if there's a 12 time world champ. 
um, maybe it was a five-time. But either way, I think the name was Avery Jenkins. He he won a few Disc Golf World Champions. He's like, yeah, my buddy Avery Jenkins gave me one of his stamped like world title discs. He's like, do you want it? He just offered to give it to this guy that got a disc stuck in a tree. What? And I was like, oh my, oh my gosh, like what? this guy's this guy's big time. <laughs> and then you know we're talking more and he's like oh yeah no i was sponsored by discraft you know in the 90s oh he's like now i'm like i'm going over to europe to play with some old friends and it comes up turns out like these people like own disc making companies you know jeez over in europe and so i ended up shooting my best round ever which i was really hyped on that feels really good yeah <laughs> it felt it felt very good but then i get home and i look him up I kind of find out he's like a runner-up two-time world champion and like how there's the PGA, the Professional Golf Association. There's a also a Professional Disc Golf Association. And the PDGA website was like, yeah, Scott Stokely is probably the best player that's not currently in the Disc Golf Hall of Fame. I was like, oh, what the heck? my <laughs> gosh. So I was like, I go into that round thinking, it's like, this is just a guy that's really good at disc golf and knows how to teach it really a well. YouTuber, so, yeah. he, so he makes YouTube videos. No, well, he is that. But he's also like <laughs> legit, you know, he's re- really good. And he had a, a distance record in the 90s. He held that for a little bit. Oh, my gosh, so like, man. And being yeah, sponsored and by Discraft, some... too. That's like gold standard for us. Yeah, for us, that's like gold standard. I've gotten some flack for throwing only Discraft because I'm not sponsored. It's like, psh, I don't care. Discraft is how I learned. I like their stuff. They make brand loyalty. I do have they a mixed bag discs. with Innova and Discraft, and I get a lot of flack from you for that. But yeah, here we are. Yeah, you do here we are here we are yeah and apparently he was like one of the first people to like actually be sponsored you know so it kind of like changed the way people viewed disc golf like oh you can actually be sponsored like wow you know make money doing this like what the heck you know (sighs) so that was definitely a really cool experience yeah he was just like if you ever want private lessons hit me up i do like private video lessons like that's how he makes his living basically is he just does private video lessons with oh people gosh. and gives them disc golf pointers and things like that. I was like, that's really cool. That's so good, man. Jeez. The one thing I wanted to mention about disc golf, especially as it relates to our uh, historical friendship is uh, the morning of my wedding. I was so <laughs> absurdly nervous and you had the, the presence of mind in that moment and the wisdom <laughs> to know Steven just needs to do something to get his mind off of it and engage his body somehow. So like we, we woke up at like 7 a.m. the morning of my wedding and you took me disc golfing. Yes. (laughs) And uh, it remains, I mean, obviously a lot of big things happened during that day, (laughs) but it was the best round I ever shot. And it was, it was that moment where I was like, Michael gets me. I trust myself in Michael's. (laughs) presence like he's got me i oh it was so good that was a great morning because yeah it was like there's like seven of us right like it was uh your whole party but even like i know mitch was there and like just you know hanging out a couple extra guys yeah a couple extra guys just slinging plastic seven in the morning man morning of your wedding it was so good gosh it was the first time i actually beat you too and you didn't you didn't (laughs) give it to me at least that's what you tell me this many years (laughs) i didn't give it to you oh yes yeah i didn't let it happen right which of course we had to keep the tradition going so back on your wedding day in june we went and threw some of the like the hardest 18 holes i've ever thrown in helena oh man 
Uh, that was a really fun course. But yes, that was brutal too because yeah. Caleb lost two discs on one hole. On one hole. That one was hole. So sad. Lost two discs. That was a bummer. Well, fun fact Caleb actually got married end of July and the tradition lived on. We went and played around oh, the morning of his wedding too. Excellent. So, yes. Yep. Everyone should disc golf the morning of their wedding. It really helps you Honestly, like get rid of the nerves. Yeah, you should, you know? It's amazing. There are no cons. Absolutely no cons. Unless like notwithstanding any injury, but fortunately that didn't happen to anyone, <laughs> which yeah. we probably should have thought through, but Hey, it's disc golf. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't stand in front of someone when they're throwing. Yeah. Or don't walk into a hole. I, you know, you, you know, from firsthand experience, it is not pleasant to get domed with one of those things. Nope. Right. Square in the middle of my <laughs> forehead. David and Goliath style, man. Yeah. It took <laughs> me out. Dropped you. <laughs> So good. Michael, are there any other hobbies you like to engage on a regular basis? I really like playing Super Smash Bros. This is a classic. Yep. This also is also from a classic. Yep. Also something. I was introduced to that by you. You're welcome. I, thank you. You're a lot better at it than I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I said, when I like find something, like I try to get really good at it, you know, deep dive. Yep. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, I suck at Smash. Right. And then we, me and Kate have been getting more into board games, both really like Settlers of Catan. We have an expansion that we haven't been able to play yet. And then as a wedding gift, someone got us this board game. We played it for the first time last night with some people we met at our church called Betrayal at the House on the Hill. And it is a really awesome game. Like there's, it's a lot to explain, but there's like 51 different scenarios how the game can play out once a certain thing happens. Jeez. It was a lot of fun. So I think there's like, we like board games. Uh, sometimes it can be difficult to meet people that also, you know, like board games because like for some people, board games just aren't their thing. You yeah. Know? Yep. We've been getting into that too. You are helping me become a football fan too. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, Chiefs lost today. I'm doing a very bad job of being a football fan. I really tried. The last Super Bowl, man, I was hyped. I was hyped with you because... Well, okay, so just tell me about your relationship to the Kansas City Chiefs. So, yeah, I'm a Chiefs fan, and we won a Super Bowl. Never thought I'd see it, but somehow we did. We got Patrick Mahomes. But um, I, I have some extended family in Kansas, and so there's that attachment, but... You know, growing up, I always watched football with my dad. Like, I'd get home from church, get under the covers, and just watch football after, mm. like, all afternoon. Mm-hmm. You know, loved it. Um, my dad was a Cowboys fan, or is a Cowboys fan, uh, and he's been a Cowboys fan since childhood. And, you know, I was like, I don't know if I really want to be a Cowboys fan. So I kind of went through some seasons where I, like, tried out teams, you know, none really stuck. And then I saw this, uh, they call his nickname was The X Factor. Uh, his name is Dante Hall. He played for the <laughs> Chiefs in the early 2000s. And he was an incredible kick and punt returner. Yeah. And an- another nickname was the Human Joystick because he threw some of the nastiest ankle-breaking jukes you'll ever see. And so <laughs> I saw a highlight reel of Dante Hall, like his catches and punt and kickoff returns. And I was like, I am a Chiefs fan. Mm. And from there, that's what did it. Got you sold. Yes, got me sold. And then, you know, that was probably around third or fourth grade. Little did I know that, you know, there would be many dark years of... uh, Many, many. Of (laughs) many, many dark years. (laughs) 
but yeah, man, I just, I don't know. It's like one of those things, like I played a little football growing up too, like flag football and little guy football. Yeah. But it's all, I think the reason I like football so much is just like growing up, like always like coming home when I was really little, you know, just like watching it or me and my dad would always stay up and watch Monday night football or college football, you know, mm, like, mm-hmm. so there's just a lot of like fun memories associated with mm, it too. That's so good. I think too, just like seeing people like do insane feats of athleticism sometimes you know like sometimes you just see things you hadn't seen before and you're like what the heck just happened you know <laughs> yeah many moments of the last super bowl come to mind oh my gosh Jeez, yeah dude so after this super bowl we were watching separately you were in bozeman i was in billings but i was pretty much like live tweeting you just like texting back and forth right <laughs> because yeah. i i like i've wanted to be a football fan like my entire life i was born in the denver area so like i felt pressure to be a a Broncos fan for most of my life. And then just pretty much in high school, I just kind of accepted the fact that I wasn't that much into sports and uh, yep. I'm still doing a pretty bad job of being into sports. But after, after <laughs> man, after that last Super Bowl, you gave me permission to be a bandwagon fan of the chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> I remember your terminology. You're well, and I'll give you, you see, you get a pass because you expressed that you wanted to be a bandwagon fan before the Chiefs started making their comeback and it looked like they were going to lose. Okay. But you were just like, yeah, I remember, dude, you were, you were texting me, you're like, oh my gosh, what a catch. You're like, hey, I think I finally am starting to get the appeal of this. This is, I'm I'm hyped right now. Yeah. Everyone is screaming at the TV. Yep. There's so much energy. Yep. I'm screaming at the TV. <laughs> I get it. And then you're like... You know, is it is it too noob to to become a Chiefs bandwagon fan right now? I was like, nah, dude, you're good. We're not. It doesn't look like we're gonna win this. Yeah. So I mean, it's not bandwagoning. You're like, welcome in, welcome in. Steven. Well, it, it, it is bandwagoning, but like not in the oh, they won, so now I'm gonna bandwagon. Yeah. It's like it looked like they were gonna lose, and you're like, nope, I still want in. Okay. I'm here for it. Yeah, see, because I asked you that because I feel like what I've been missing in being a sports fan is I've never connected over a team with anyone else and i feel like me like asking you to help me become a fan it's like another thing that you and i could have in common we could talk about i think that's always what i've been lacking like i don't the people who i hang out with aren't really that much into sports or at least it never comes up so yeah but knowing that you grew up with football and knowing that you could teach me that's that's why i asked well and i think too dude so straight up it is one of those things man like if you have or if you know any other people that are like into football it is such a good conversation starter you can just be like you know like uh when i was working in bozeman or even in billings you know like in a warehouse like typical guys most of them really like sports and so it's a great way to start to talk to people and like you know bond over something like you can just be like you know all right so who do you uh you know like like before the season starts you can just be like hey who do you think is going to do really good this season and who do you think is going to tank or who do you think is going to surprise us this you know and bam you have just set yourself up for like a half hour of conversation with someone you know like if they're into it like yeah so i've (laughs) my one of my buddies texted me he's like dude like i I use that tactic you are so right man that's like a surefire especially if they're you know they actively follow it like it's a surefire way to have a conversation with someone and it's like who knows where it'll lead after that you know that's very good man Okay, so I'm I'm conscious of the fact that we're nearing the end of our time here, so I have a couple closing questions for you. Right on. First, I'm curious, do you like to follow any particular morning or evening routines? Not really morning. I mean, I just get up and just go straight to work. Well, I make my lunch, then, you know, go straight to work. Evening, uh, me and Kate 
that's when we try to read our Bible and everything. We we spend a day in Old Testament, and then the next day will be in New Testament, and we just kind of switch back and forth, you know, every other day. Oh, cool. And then as far as that, not too much. I mean, if it's nice out sometimes, like on my days off, I'll get up early and go play around of disc golf or something like that. You know, yeah. I was doing that a lot in the summer before, you know, it was like almost 100 degrees every day. So I'd get out before it got too hot. This is a good call. Yep. But yeah, other than that, no, I'd say they're... They're fairly normal. Um, nothing earth shattering, I would say. <laughs> okay, then I'm curious to ask what you're currently reading. Ooh, so I mentioned it earlier, but yeah, I just finished up that book on demons called Demons, actually. Mm-hmm. And it's about demons. It's in the title. Yep, it's in the title. The next book on my list that I'm really interested in, it's called Two Masters and Two Gospels. Mm. And then the subtitle is The Teaching of Jesus versus The Leaven of the Pharisees and Talk Radio and Cable News. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's... Uh, That's a powerful subtitle. Yes. I listened to an interview with this author, and he's basically calling into question a lot of uh, the seeming alliance between right-wing politics in the evangelical church Mm -hmm. and he's basically asking like why are we doing this and not examining this with what jesus taught i think that's very important right now like people can sniff out a hypocrite from a mile away and there's a lot of hypocrisy going on right now and it's something i'm very much interested in like getting a better understanding of sure instead of viewing faith through the lens of politics viewing politics through the lens of faith first and then Mm. deciding on it that's good that's next on my list uh just because it's very timely but also i think it's it's challenging kind of a status quo and that also interests me absolutely man that's that's good what about uh what you're currently listening to right now let's start with music what comes up when you open spotify right now um well, I don't really use Spotify that much. I'm starting to. I am starting to. Okay. Uh, I generally use iTunes because I'm one of those people that likes to buy my music. Yeah. I had been listening to a lot of August Burns Red. No surprises there. Mm-hmm. A lot of Era recently. A lot of Currents. I found this really awesome. It's kind of in the vein of, it's not as heavy as what I write, but uh, an album called uh, point of view by distant dream some really awesome atmospheric like instrumental metal ish music okay highly recommend uh, awesome guitar work that's kind of what i'm listening to right now a lot of fit for a king too they just dropped a new album it's different but i was a fan it grew on me for sure what about podcasts do you listen to any podcasts uh i really like reclaiming the faith it's a guy he used to be a pastor but he kind of he wrote that book called new wineskins in the simple word of words of christ that i also want to read oh, okay cool but yeah it's basically examines like the idea behind the podcast of is like say we are talking you know me and some buddies are talking about a current issue whatever you know mm-hmm. what if someone who is discipled by the apostle john or the apostle peter or something like that just randomly showed up and joined the conversation mm. what would they say and what would their perspective be mm. and that's kind of the perspective of the podcast and uh, i really like that one what are you currently watching right now either streaming shows or like movies you've been coming back to or recent movies so i mentioned it earlier legend of Korra. Um, we've been slowly going through that, but I really like it. It's a lot darker than Avatar, isn't it? Yes, it is. But I love like the, uh, the 1920s, 19 through 1950s kind of time era they're setting it in. I yeah. thought it was super cool. It's pretty neat. And then Kate just decided to buy a month of Disney Plus. So we're, we've been watching some Pixar and uh, 
we really we don't like a lot of the same movies, but we both love animated movies. So oh, okay. So we just watched Zootopia the other night. Actually, I love that movie, man. Nice. I love cute animals. Nice. And so that movie is basically just a bunch of sentient cute animals. It's like <laughs> you can't lose. No. Nope. When you know, there's no losing there. Yeah, I get it. But I really want to watch Monsters Inc. soon mm. again because that's my favorite Pixar movie. That's a good one. Monsters Inc. is a gem, dude. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Again, it was long overdue, and I've loved this conversation. It's been so good. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm going to give you the last word and ask you to read our favorite quote for the podcast. Right on. The only normal people you know are the ones you don't know very well. Ooh.